Hello and welcome to Management for Startups. Management for Startups is about learning management in small teams, businesses and organizations between 2 to 50 people. My name is Cedric. This podcast is never longer than 15 minutes, so let's get started. Today, I want to talk about narrative or rather our tendency to tell stories to ourselves and how this affects the danger, I mean like how this is dangerous especially when you're judging uh, people's character. Now, I think many of us are aware that when you're doing startups or when you're doing management, you a huge part of what you do is forming judgments on people's character characters and personalities and what they're good at and then modeling them in your head right like for example if you're dealing with your boss or you're dealing with your subordinate and there's some work-related task work-related problem that comes up you can more or less uh, in your head sort of predict how they would react to certain things if you've spent enough time working with them and interacting with them and I want to talk about some of the dangers with this because I think when you're a manager and you're dealing with people, uh, the biggest class of complicated problems arise from interpersonal relationships, right? Like interpersonal communications, you mis- misunderstand. And one huge aspect of that is the way we misjudge people or more specifically, the way that we, t- we tend to tell stories to ourselves uh, because that's the way our brain works. And I want to talk about like how you can sort of fight against this instinct to uh, believe the very first story that your brain generates. Um, so two stories to begin with. Uh, the first story is actually a, a Reddit post. Uh, so someone, a young lady, posted on the Singapore subreddit recently, and a friend of mine was sharing it with our group uh, chat. And essentially what this lady was saying was like, uh, oh, I'm an intern, it is my first experience in the working world, um, and I really hate office politics. And it does seem that from this current batch of interns, people tend to be biased towards those who are better looking. And I'm really ugly, and people tend to not pick me and train me properly. Um, recently, there was like this call for suggestions and I gave a fairly good suggestion. And then one of my more senior uh, colleagues basically said, oh, you know, that's not doable because of X, Y, Z. And then he sighed and looked very sad. And when somebody else who is prettier uh, gives a suggestion, uh, the reaction is like, oh, you know, that's uh, rubbish. Uh, that won't work. But then they laugh it off and there's a lot more positive as a reaction. And she also said about how people who were prettier than her or better looking than her, male and female, seem to get away uh, with more things and seem to have uh, better relationships or better uh, get along better with people in her company. And the top most voted, upvoted reply in that thread, which was also, you know, awarded with Reddit gold, which is this way of sort of like showing people uh, gratefulness and thanks. Um, the top voted comment was basically saying, right, so you are young and you're very bright future, future ahead of yourself. Uh, my advice to you is don't see this necessarily, don't jump to the conclusion that it's because you are ugly, right? Um, The reason is because it could be many other possible explanations for the way that people are reacting, right? It could be that you're reading too much into the negativity of the person in the example where you gave, where you gave a suggestion and then the the senior uh, employee uh, who said that it's not doable and inside and look away could be because he recognizes, you know, that the suggestion is really, really good, but there's no way that they can pull it off because of uh, office politics or because of, you know, whatever reason that is invisible to you. But he really wishes that that suggestion could be done. Now, you're just jumping to the conclusion that you are ugly and therefore people are reacting uh, to you like this. But in my experience, well, this author, the author of the comment, he basically said, in my experience, over the long term, people who get things done will have their due, all right? Will, uh, people will recognize that you're competent and looks don't matter as much. 
right? So don't jump to conclusions first, learn the ropes, keep an open mind, and you will have a very bright future ahead of you. Don't worry about this. And that's like the first comment. And I thought this was an amazing reply because that was that is exactly what I would have said in his place, right? Like I think that if you're a manager, what's one of the most dangerous things that you can do is to generate the wrong explanation for events that you observe, right? Like just because your boss or your colleague is reacting in a certain way doesn't mean that they hate you or that there's some politics, some faux play, you know, that's happening behind the scenes. It could be true that that's possible. But at the same time, you do not want to have the wrong impression or you don't want to have the wrong uh, uh, you know, some conclusion um, that they are political when actually it could be just they had a bad day you know, or they had a bad week or maybe your boss is going through a divorce. There could be a thousand and one reasons uh, for the way that they're reacting. And if you respond to the most negative possible interpretation of their actions um, and not be well calibrated, then what is most likely to happen is that over the long term, your negativity will be very clear and then you reap what you sow, right? You, you basically will have a worse and worse relationship with that boss or that colleague. Um, and that's sort of something that's really dangerous, especially if you're a manager, because it means that you can't do your job well, right? You can't uh, be effective if you are constantly poisoning or slowly poisoning the relationships you have with your colleagues. So one other story, right? I used to work with this incredible person. He was running the team. Like we had two teams in my company. He was running one of the teams and he was an incredible programmer, an incredible team lead. The problem was that he couldn't work with everyone. So every time we had a new hire, like I would personally think that maybe the, the person's a bit rough around the edges, but you know, we can work with them. Uh, he had much higher standards. He would say like, oh, I don't think this guy is good. I think this guy is careless. Or I think this, uh, this new programmer, she's not, uh, she doesn't have a great attention to detail and I don't think she's good, right? So she, he could only work with a subset of people that we hired. And that became really problematic because it meant that uh, my team, well, not my team, but like one of the teams that was not run by him, uh, they had their own problems, but, one, but they didn't have a problem of hiring people because pretty much everybody who passed our interview, um, they could work in that team. But his team, which is arguably, you know, just as important to the company's uh, future, the company's work, um, his team was a lot harder to hire for because in addition to all the requirements that we had in our interview, an additional requirement was that you could work well with the team lead. Now, don't get me wrong. I do not regret working with him. In fact, I am incredibly loyal to him and I would totally pounce uh, at any opportunity to work with him again. Right? Like under him, his team performed really well uh, to, to the degree that the, his team actually did better, I think, on meeting deadlines than the other team. And the net benefit to the company was great. But there was always a uh, manpower shortage. They were always under... Uh, what do you call it? They always didn't have enough hands. And whenever somebody on his team left, right, that was really problematic for his, for the productivity of his team uh, to deliver on deadlines. And I was willing to accept that compromise because he was such a great uh, team leader. He was such a great programmer. Um, but if you sort of take a step back and look at the long arc of his career, um, I mean, not in the past, because in the past, like he's done well, he's been an individual contributor, and it's not that important when you're an individual contributor. It's only when you become a manager that it becomes important that you don't limit yourself, right? You need to be able to work with the largest set of people possible. And this wasn't true of him. And I think I fear that this would be a limiting factor on the rest of his career. And if we just take a look at ourselves, look ourselves in the mirror, 
when you're a manager, especially when you're a startup manager, and often you don't have your pick of uh, the hiring pool, right? You have to make do with whatever you can get that is above a certain level. You are artificially limiting yourself if you can only get along with a certain personality type of a certain uh, type of programmer in your head. And that's not good. That's not good for your career. That's not good for your startup. That's not good for your team. Um, so why does this happen? And I think here, looking at psychology is a very uh, instructive thing to do. So in psychology, there's this thing called the narrative fallacy. Uh, I'll just call it the narrative effect. But I think it's sort of universal, right? And, uh, every human being thinks in terms of stories, right? Where our brain is built for stories. If I show you a list of random pieces of data or maybe random events that happen, right? You, your brain would immediately pick out certain things and create like a narrative to explain this collection of random events or random data. And that's true as well when you're dealing with people, right? When you're dealing with people, you are looking at, you're observing their behavior, um, the danger is that you observe them uh, and not everything, you know, makes sense, but then your brain automatically comes up with a story to explain, oh, this person, Joe, is this kind of person, or Mary is this kind of person, right? And she's not great, he's not careful, um, she's very irresponsible, uh, she doesn't work very hard, he doesn't, uh, it's not loyal to the company, whatever. And the danger really is when you are early on in your relationship with this person, this person could well be well suited to your team. But because you form a judgment so early and you believe the very first story that your brain creates, then you never update a story again. And this was true, as, as you can see, this is sort of the common theme between these two stories. It was true of the, the young lady who posted on Reddit. And it's true for my, my friend and colleague who I love dearly, but is limited because he always forms stories very early and then I had to fight with him. I have to say like, no, you know, you know, that's not true. Uh, look at this and this and this. Like this, these actions don't map to your narrative of his judgment. But then, even then, it was really difficult for him to sort of update his beliefs and his judgments of people once he had formed them. So how do you prevent this from happening? I think I'm fairly good at this. Uh, I've had multiple friends who have pointed out to me that I can work well with a large group of people. Um, and I, I've observed other people as well, like the first, the first HR executive that I hired was really good at this. Like she was very well calibrated. Now, one thing I want to say, first of all, is like you don't want to be too negative, but you also don't want to be too positive, right? The mark of a good judge of character is that you actually get the judgment right, right? Your judgment is well calibrated and nuanced. And as you observe more and more behavior over time, your judgment of that person changes and grows. Um, now, the, uh, the second thing you need to know is that it's really difficult to change your judgment of something, right? There's, there's this thing called the primacy effect. And the primacy effect is basically uh, or confirmation bias, uh, which is the first thing that you believe in, your brain tends to hold on to it tighter than it should, right? If you uh, believe something about or hold some opinion about someone, even when you observe uh, behavior or evidence that contradicts this initial story or this initial belief, your brain will reject it and your brain will downweight uh, the evidence that you observe. And this is human nature, right? This is just how our brains work. So I only have a way to deal with this internally uh, when I'm judging new people. So what I do is A, I, don't tr I try not to judge too early. And the way I do that is every time my brain generates a narrative based on observations, 
I generate alternate narratives and I force myself not to pick anyone. Like for example, if your boss says something bad or your colleague does something bad to you, uh, and this is the first time they've ever done this to you and you've not met them for very long, then what you should do is you will like, okay, maybe they're having a bad day. Maybe they have some family problems or some internal problems that I don't know about and I'll give them the benefit of the doubt. But over time, right, you adjust your beliefs. If they continue acting like this, there might be something up, right? And you very conservatively and very slowly update your beliefs such that you treat multiple stories, multiple possible explanations for their belief for their behavior at the same level in the beginning. And then later as you go as time goes on, you update certain stories more than others. And in the end, you know, you maybe have only one or two stories that is plausible to explain your behavior. Um, whereas the rest is not as, you know, you don't try, you try not to believe the other uh, explanations. So I find that this is a really good uh, trick to try to be well calibrated when judging people. Uh, the problem, however, is that I'm still human. So after I form a judgment, I'm very slow to come up with a judgment for someone. But after I form a judgment of that person, I find that it is still really difficult for me to adjust and change that judgment, especially if the person is trying to change. And people do do that, right? I, I believe that the old saying, uh, the leopard never changes his spots. I don't think that's a true saying. It certainly isn't true for everyone, not all of the time. I think that there are certain periods in your life, certain periods in anyone's life, really, where you do try to change and you can change. And the danger and the, the difficulty for me is trying to figure out how to update my beliefs when people change. So I'll just leave this with just one technique for this podcast, which is generate alternative explanations, generate competing narratives in your head. Your brain is adapted to stories. Don't try to fight that. Instead, use it to your advantage. Instead of believing the very first story that you generate, pause for a moment and generate alternative explanations for their actions and their behavior uh, and the, your judgments of their characters. So with that, you know, Cedric out. <laughs>